Another episode of Breaking Mayberry, banjoing while Rome burns. We are the show about trying to understand what is wrong with the world today by watching old-timey television, specifically The Andy Griffith Show. I'm your host, one of your hosts, Martin R. Schneider. I'm the other one, Dan Ludwig. And today we have a special guest comedy writer, Jordana Lipsitz. Yay! Hi! Joining us from uh, Los Angeles because Jordana is a uh, a wordsmith, one might say, Ooh. good at the English language, mm-hmm. mistress of letters, so friggin' good at English. That's right. Yeah, and we've brought her on to talk about the episode that involves horrible sexism and somewhat the subject of weed. Yay! Barely, barely yeah. the subject of weed. Right, Not enough, ahead. really. Let's go ahead and get into this. Let's just launch right into this since we're doing a, a one-er this time. When I pitched Jordana coming onto this one, I kind of sold her a lie because I was like, oh, come on and do the Reefer Madness episode, yeah. which I remembered it as being. And yeah. I forgot that they mentioned weed once and then the rest of it is just sexism. Well, here's why Here's why you thought that, Dan. Uh, normally we do like an intro and then I read the one-sentence summary from Wikipedia, but I'm just going to go right to the one-sentence summary right now. So this is episode 29, Quiet Sam, directed by avid stamp collector Bob Sweeney. My favorite Peaky Blinders character, Bob Sweeney. <laughs> and, and written by two guys who we haven't seen before, Jim Fritzel and Everett Greenbaum. So this airs May 1st, and here's the one-sentence description of this. Uh, Barney is suspicious of reticent farmer Sam Becker, William, actor William Shallert, who we'll talk about in a second. So he convinces Andy to investigate. Barney thinks Sam might be growing marijuana. Now, I read that description, and I thought, just like you, Dan, I thought, yeah, we're getting a Reefer Madness episode from the Andy Griffith Show, and it's shit. It's a lie. Yeah. It's mentioned they- once. Once. This is technically true, but it is not what the episode is about. And it's not like the Wikipedia one-sentence summaries have ever shied away from just spoiling everything before. So why now? Why be vague now? It's super weird. I, I, it's like they're trying to, like, basically trick us specifically into getting into this episode. I Jordana, know. I, I owe think, you a weed app. I think it sounds like it's like, you know, there's this institutionalized belief that like weed is taboo. So like that's it's in it's in the Wikipedia article. So. All right. So let's do we do we have anything we want to talk about? Promote. Make sure to check out our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Still trying. uh, We have a lead now on uh, a copy of Chrome. So we're going to be doing that probably for a bonus episode for our Patreon subscribers pretty soon. Uh, and Dan and I are also talking about other plans for bonus stuff. So check that out. Let's jump right into this. All right, so Quiet Sam. Uh, now, this our guest in this episode uh, is William Shallert. He plays Sam Becker. William Shallert had a pretty long career. He just died about two years ago. And oh, he, was, 
He was the Screen Actors Guild president for a few years in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, he was best known for being on uh, the Patty Duke show. Uh, and he was still working up until very recently. He was on uh, episodes of Two Broke Girls and uh, How I Met Your Mother. So, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. yeah so, what? This wow. dude is also one of the few people who was in both the movie and the TV version of In the Heat in the Night. So, yeah, Shallot had a very long uh, career. And you know what? He's not a bad actor. We've seen bad uh, character yeah. actors come on this he's show. Uh, and he's one of the better ones. He's no uh, Robert Golden... R.G. Armstrong. Yeah, he's no R.G. Armstrong who we saw last week, but he's, he's not bad. Alright, so so our episode begins uh, with Barney stepping out of Floyd's barbershop. Uh, and as he's walking out, Floyd is walking out with him, and Floyd stops him and notices, Oh wait, Barney, you're a little lopsided, and proceeds to like trim him up right there on the street. Uh, because Shitty he, barber. He's a terrible barber, he's the only one in town. Uh, and Barney notices a truck that is relatively close to a fire plug, uh, and thinks it might be a possible infraction, so he does the Barney Fife thing, and measures with his feet to make sure that he, that this truck is parked within the law. And it is, Which within is two inches of the law. PPA bullshit, that, like, the, the, the parking attempt was clearly a very good faith attempt to park it as far away from the hydrant as possible, and he's measuring the individual fucking inches to try to get him a ticket. Like, yeah, for our, our listeners who are not from Philadelphia, the, the <laughs> Philadelphia Parking Authority pulls bullshit like this all the time. They are so notoriously crooked and annoying that there's an entire television show dedicated to their horse shit. I've never yeah. seen the show. I, I Everyone always says there's this show, but nobody knows what it's called, and I haven't seen it. So I think it's that it's one of those things, you know? Like, like, like an urban legend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone everyone in Philadelphia knows about this show, but no one's ever seen it. It's like, it's like those weird S's that everybody drew in the fourth grade in the 90s. Oh, yeah! Nobody knew what they meant. No one I knows where they, they came from. Times. I mean, it's it's like, hey, you know that group of people that that you hate and make your lives miserable on a regular basis want to see the ins and outs of their day to day life? Like, no, I don't want to know <laughs> what the PPA does with their day when they're not fucking with everybody. I think you're right, Dan. I think it is called Parking Wars, and I want to say it was like on True TV or Crime TV or one of those bullshit channels oh, that you get with a like Direct TV package that no one ever watches. Uh, yeah, Marty, I have a really serious question. Did you say fire plug? I did say <laughs> fire plug. And the reason I said fire plug instead of fire hydrant is because that's what they refer to it as on this show. A fire plug? Yeah. The is a strange place. More specifically, a fire plug. Fire, fire plug. plug. I mean, do you think that's a South thing or that's an old timey no, thing? No, dude. I think. Okay, so here's the thing that I think that the listeners and you both should know. Like,. The Andy Griffith show is very dear to me because, A, my grandpa looks just like Andy Griffith, and I really feel like this should go on your Twitter. He's dead now, but he looks, like, just like him. And, like, also, like, Mayberry is, like, a glimpse into Chatsworth, which is Georgia, which is where my people are from, my mom's Mm -hmm. people. And it is terrifying, the things they say. The, The crap that these people come up with these words. Fire plug? What is that? <laughs> I'm, I'm irate. I, 
I wasn't sure if you were saying like like they're like stuff like fireplug or if you were talking about racial slurs. <laughs> oh well, yeah. I mean, it's obvious that, that it's not great for that stuff too. But I mean, like the sayings, the sayings they have. It's like, what I, does the sun like make your make you come up with fascinating words? Here's, they do. I, I'm glad that you said this, Jordana, though, because I've been wondering a lot about like this idea of Mayberry, which is like a southern town that yeah. people have based their identity about, like said it's things are like Mayberry, except Mayberry was created by dudes who lived in Los Angeles and London that were writing these episodes. I guess people assume that because Andy Griffith himself was a southerner, that yeah. it was like southern accurate, but I've always wondered about this because huh. Andy's not writing the episode. How how much of it is improvising though? Like the word is and is Barney Fife from the South? Yeah, they're they're uh, or the real oh, guy, whatever his real name Don is. Knotts. Uh, Don Knotts. Don Knotts is definitely not from the South. No, where's what? Whatever. Okay. Anyway, they say weird shit, and it upsets me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I imagine do I can't imagine people in current. America saying fireplug. It just sounds too vaguely Fireplug. Uh, Don Knotts was born in Morgantown, West Virginia. So okay, depending that's on, your, on your yeah. on your definition of the South, he's from the South. South uh, esque, South adjacent. Yeah. He's South adjacent. Yeah. He's 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 definitely on the other side of the Mason Dixon. So you know. okay. All right. Well, uh, all right. Okay, that. listen, listen, Jordana. If you're upset by the word fireplug, we're never getting through this. Okay, you're right. Uh, sorry, I'm so sorry. The term boiled boiled as an owl has been used for. Bald like an owl. I heard that yeah. one. That one upsets me too. <laughs> they do some damage to the English language over the course of this show. As a wordsmith, it hurts my soul truly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so my. so. Barney observes the, that this truck is legally purchased and that ir- purchased that this truck is legally parked and that irritates him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, "Whose truck is this anyway?" And uh, Floyd tells him, "Well, that's Sam Beckert's." And Barney basically responds with, "That weirdo, that fucking weird guy. I, I should give him a ticket just to make him talk. He doesn't say anything. He's lived at that farm for months. So basically, he's building up Sam as like." Like the creepy old old lady that lives at the house down the lane, like it's been here for months. No one knows anything about him. Again, it's like a stranger came to town, and we're very suspicious of him every uh, time. And they already set up the dynamic of Barney is upset by this guy for weird reasons and is willing to abuse the shit out of his power to get in his face. Yeah, like, Barney has nothing to do with his time, so he says, "Well, I'm gonna just bug this guy until I get him to talk about anything." <laughs> I dislike this man for arbitrary reasons involving his social engagement, and I'm going to go to any lengths to just, I don't know, make his life slightly harder. It, and he, yeah. he he demonstrates this as Sam gets out of the grocery store, loads up his truck full of groceries, uh, and begins to try to drive away. And Barney like, sticks his head in the window of the truck, practically, and is just like, Hi, Ooh. let's talk about groceries. See, you got some groceries there. Like, it's the most desperate pickup attempt I've ever seen. Pickup <laughs> attempt. I didn't even mean to make that joke, but it's a see because march into the sea. I swear <laughs> to God. See, because because it's a truck, also known Fuck. as a pickup. He just like he just comes up to him and is like, oh. "Hey, you're putting groceries in the back of a truck," and Sam just goes, "Yeah," and then walks away, which is the correct response. Just like, "Hey, you're currently lifting things with your human arms." <laughs> yes. 
Yes, I am. Okay, good. Goodbye. You're not having a conversation with me. You're just stating simple facts, you toddler. Okay, hang on, hang on. Dan, you just sparked an idea in my head. If Barney Fife is an alien occupying a human body, trying to understand like wow. how humans function, then so much more of this show makes sense. <laughs> just, just slide that in there, including like his general appearance. Like that is not. That was the first Whoa. attempt they had at making a human suit. Um, so it's, it's like the the pug in Men in Black. Men in Black. Y- yeah. It is, yes. It is one hundred. It's the bug in Men in Black, but they did a worse job. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. So so Sam drives away, and Andy comes over, wondering what Barney's up to this time, uh, and Floyd leaves, uh, and they have Andy and Barney have a small conversation where uh basically barney explains his whole deal why he's concerned about this says that this sam guy has all the characteristics of a criminal Um, the facial characteristics of a criminal and then he describes his skull shape yeah that's the racist shit is what's going on right there fucking phrenology right there (laughs) jesus chill out nazi don nuts oh oh my god Okay, so we're I'd say we're we're less than minute ten. Jordana has has just justified her guesthood. <laughs> Hi, I'm Don say... Nazi. Uh, I can't do it. I can't do his voice. I try. No. Oh no. Wait, 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 wait. Take another crack at it because okay. uh the, the Don Knotts impression is surprisingly deceptive. Okay, okay, hold on. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Don Nazi. Man hunt. <laughs> Huh? You sound like Sandy the Squirrel <laughs> from Spongebob. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Alright, so. Yeah. You over-southerned it a little bit, but I other than that, it could. Good on you for coming at it swinging. Thank you. Uh, Alright, so, so the next scene, we are at the Griffith home, where Andy and Aunt B and Opie are closing all the windows and they're preparing for an upcoming storm 40 mile an hour wind, get your nerves all tucked in, which ultimately proves to be uh. pointless and useless to the plot. Like, it's mostly irrelevant. Yeah, the, it's the, just, they need there needs to be a storm to provide some vague sense of stakes. Yeah, it uh, makes it a little more yeah. dangerous. And there there are none. Like, like, later on, they had a perfect chance to use the storm because a doctor is needed. And they don't say the doctor can't get here because of the storm. They say the doctor is out of town. You had the perfect opportunity to make your storm relevant to the story and just whiffed it. Like, well, this storm they, is pointless. They do use it uh, as a great opportunity for Opie to be dumb as hell, but also really metal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Opie's stupid little ass thinks that if you put four pennies outside and they get struck by lightning, they turn into quarters, which... Dream bigger in terms of what you believe in, in <laughs> magic, child. Like, he's like, so fucking stupid. And, and he, he believes this because a four-year-old told him to it to him. He was like, that Nat Pike told it to me. And Ampy says, he's a very small child. <laughs> and Opie says, well, he's been around plenty. I, 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 I'm, I'm getting increasingly, he's so, he's such a stupid little fuck. Fun fact, though, Ron Howard still to this day believes anything a four-year-old tells him. <laughs> yes. 
Take that, beloved Arrested Development producer Ron Howard. <laughs> yeah. Does it, does he have children? Like, if did do I you mean think- he has an adult daughter? Right. Okay. So here's the thing, though. Like, he believes this. Do you think his wife was like sat him down and was like, Ron Howard, if you keep believing everything our four year old daughter tells us, tells you, I'm going to leave you. Do you think like that might have happened? Almost certainly. Yeah. I would, I would, I would say ninety percent certainty that she had to had to threaten divorce because he was just internalizing everything. <laughs> the Andy Griffith show warped his his uh, his relationship between reality and fantasy. It's completely gone. I mean, in, uh, in fairness, the Andy Griffith show warped a lot of people's uh, <laughs> perception of reality and fantasy. I mean, so, that is the point of this podcast. So that is you true. really hit it on the head there. So, so what 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 is it that Andy or that Opie actually believes, Dan? That if you leave pennies outside and they get struck by lightning, they turn into slightly more money. Uh, not like not like they turn into like like wild dogs or they turn into electric metal pennies. They just turn into like a quarter, which like it's not it even seems that. Like it's six awful... cents. They yeah. just multiply their worth by six. Lightning yeah. has a six x multipli- multiplier on this. Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess if you were doing it as a get-rich-quick scene, but then he should be like, I want to leave, like, like 200 pennies outside. But, no, he's just like, "Eh, yeah, let me just do this magic real quick in our backyard for no gain whatsoever. Opie would, Opie's the guy who would sell his cow for some magic beans, but then eat the beans anyway. Yeah, no, he'd just be in it for the journey. He just wants to know that he had magic beans briefly. Oh, that's really beautiful, though. I mean, he just sees joy in the little things, you know? He he sees joy in the little things and also just kind of is, is, is rad about it. Like, he just believes the slightly most badass version of the world. Oh. Because Opie may, is a little savage. May we all be as badass and idealistic as Opie. All right, so... Enter enter Barney, uh, who asks to see Andy alone, and Aunt B goes, well, I'm going to leave this episode now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Aunt B out! <laughs> and then uh, Andy gives Opie a handful of pennies to just chuck in his backyard and Opie pieces. Barney makes his argument for the Becker case, which proceeds to be some Gestapo bullshit. <laughs> uh... He then, he he runs through everything he knows about Sam Becker, does not know his profession, which Andy quickly just says, he's a farmer. And Barney's like, okay, well, I had no way of knowing that. Anyway, I pulled his purchasing receipts at the grocery store, which, what? How, what? How did you do that? Who let you do that? Ellie. Soup- <laughs> oh, god damn it. Ellie doesn't believe in warrants. Yeah, Ellie doesn't give a fuck anymore. She's been broken down by this horrible town. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but he runs through his, his purchasing history, and it's like tranquilizers, bandages, uh... Sterilizers. Uh, talc- yeah, so. yeah tal- talcum powder. Uh, and he, he, Andy is like, well, what do you think that means? And Barney says, you wouldn't recognize a muddy elephant in the snow. Which... <laughs> Again, with the animal metaphors that only vaguely make sense. I, I really loved it when um, Andy was like, you you think Sam's got an elephant up? He says, up his place. It was beautiful. I can't do it the way that he does it. It's gorgeous. 
upped his place. Upped his place? Andy Griffith's southern accent is an entirely different language. We've tried to varying degrees to replicate it. I think we've we've only ever gotten a piece of it. I mean, he's... So Barney's treating these purchases like the smoking gun. It's, It's like... It's like he found him buying, like, large amounts of fertilizer or Sudafed. Like, he's <laughs> really treating this, like, like I'm... Yeah. I mean, uh, tranquilizers are pretty weird. Like, why are you yeah, buying that? Yeah. Uh, but why also, why are they selling tranquilizers <laughs> at the grocery store? What the fuck? I mean, he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> she sells what she wants. Yeah, like, oh yeah, no, give me uh give me two pounds of horse tranquilizer <laughs> at this, the grocery store that we allow children into. I wish I wish that there was just a spin-off of like Ellie running a black market out of the back of the <laughs> Just like Ellie gives you the fucking hookup. Like, oh god. Just, you go to Ellie's place to get the good stuff. Like partway through an Andy Griffith scene, just a meth addict just comes oh, up and be like, "Hey, do you still have anything in store?" And Ellie just has to, like run by the car, like, "You don't come up to me during my day to day life. You, you, you don't pull this bullshit." Did they have meth back then? Is meth new? Uh, I think they had they had classic meth, and then okay. in the eighties they rebranded with new meth. Got it. <laughs> Coke classic. Yes. Meth classic. Um, yeah, beautiful. Um, Personally, I liked uh, in the '90s when we got meth clear. <laughs> you, you can't, you can't get that anymore. But they brought it back last year for a small promotion. Uh, <laughs> so, so Barney's instinct is that Sam's got a man up there with a bullet in him. Now, Dan, you wrote Barney thinks Sam has a corpse on the notes. I wonder, like, I don't know if it's a bull, a man up there with a bullet in him. That's I gotta that, be a dead body, right? I heard that, and I thought that, like, because of the of the stuff that he bought, there was a man up there with a bullet in him that Sam was treating, like taking care of, like oh, yeah. like, like like he had been injured in a shootout, like at a bank robbery, and he was up there like nursing this dude back to health as they got him. That's what I thought. But Barney don't you take the bullet was... out? I guess it's yeah, no, I. I, well, I guess maybe the disinfectant would be like he needs to disinfect the bullet hole. I read, I heard it as like, okay, so he has a dead body up there that he's trying to dissolve. He didn't buy lie. <laughs> That's true. Ellie's got lie though. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no. no. Ellie, Ellie's like, the fucking Gustavo Fring of this universe. <laughs> you, Ellie can get rid of a dead body. Oh, you don't absolutely. even have to buy the stuff from her. You just roll the body up to her, and it's gone. <laughs> So anyway, uh, Barney convinces Andy to go up with him in the middle of the night, uh, and so Andy says, fine, it'll, like, sate your curiosity, let's go. They drive up to the farm, they're in the squad car. Uh, I will say, a couple of episodes ago, we saw that really nitpicky bullshit on the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki uh, about the, like, nighttime filter that they use to try to darken stuff and turn uh, broad daylight into night. Yeah, this is one of those... This is one of those yeah. where it's like, it's very clearly the middle of the day, but they put a filter on the camera to make me think that it's night. Is it, it shooting day for night? Do they shoot, like, does it, does it happen while they're shooting that this, this filter is on? 
Yeah, so the guy from uh from the the Mayberry Wikipedia uh, that we use points out that what they started doing was was it that they they would film during the day and just put some bullshit over the camera? Yeah, that's to make what it, it seemed look, like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they yeah. Just, so they don't do it after. Yeah. They don't do it in post production. They do it during shooting. Yeah, exactly. Cool. I think their logic idiots. was just like it's it's their logic was just like it's black and white film, no one's gonna notice. And for the most part it works <laughs> yeah. until you see a light source on the screen. Right. Like when <laughs> yeah, you see a light source whack. going uh, Their strategy so far for establishing nighttime is to just show a thing and then have Don Knotts off camera go, It's currently nighttime. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will will say, though, it's one of those things that unless I know to look for it, which I do now, thanks fucking Mayberry Wiki, uh, I wouldn't have noticed it. So anyway, they drive. They're watching Sam plow. Yeah, Sam's plowing in the middle of the night. Uh, He's out in his field up on his plow. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of the ultra reliable Mayberry Wiki, uh, somebody oh fucking wrote how this is a goof because the tractor isn't working right and uh, they're what? not plowing correctly. I'm not gonna read it. It's a fucking tractor. He's just he's on it doing tractor yeah. shit. Yeah. Like what? Yeah, these fucking Mayberry Wiki nerds. <laughs> Bar- Barney asks, or Andy says, well, he's clearly planting something. Barney's like, yeah, what's he gonna plant, huh? And he's like, I don't know, lima beans? There's all sorts of stuff. <laughs> this is where this is where Barney says, or marijuana, which is the only reference we get to marijuana in this entire episode. Thank you very much, Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, like he says it briefly and Andy just goes, no. Uh, and then they keep going, which like, I don't think this episode even like, understands how growing weed would work because did he does barney think that he could just like grow a field of weed and just no one would see like hey that's fucking pot yeah you have to you like that was something i've I've watched some movies about it um (laughs) and like you have to grow it next to stuff like sometimes like right next to it like under it almost which makes it hard to cultivate because it does need anyway whatever you have to have, like, a grow operation. Yes. You have to be doing it, like, in a basement or out in the woods or some Ugh. shit. Like, Barney just half-asses this entire hypothesis. Like, you, I, I can't tell if Barney doesn't know how growing weed works or the show doesn't know how growing weed works. I mean, well, it's okay, because we're about to encounter something that the show does not understand how it works uh, in just a second. So, Childbirth. Childbirth. By the, yeah, that's, that's the surprise. Guess what? This is an episode about childbirth. That centers entirely around three men. So let's <laughs> let's roll on through this shit. So they're watching. They're watching uh, Sam. Plow they're watching his Sam. He he runs inside. Andy promptly he, dismisses. He this gets for a signal. Bullshit. He gets a signal. Like the lights flicker on and off in the house, and he jumps off his tractor and runs like sprints for <laughs> the house. Uh, and, which is admittedly kind of suspicious, but yeah, Andy just says this is horseshit. Let's leave. He wants yeah. coffee. Uh, I just really want, like, Andy kept being like, let's go back to the office so I can have coffee. And it's like, I just, someone get Andy a freaking coffee. <laughs> no, it's, it, he, he, he says it like with such a, uh, with, with like, with such cruel relish. He's like, you're going to go uh, on patrol and then I'm going to go back to the office and I'm going to go drink a fucking coffee, you fucking moron. Uh, Jordana, and, I have to ask because of the voice you just did. 
What? Do you think that the Andy Griffith show is the cast of SpongeBob? You know, maybe SpongeBob seeps into my subconscious, you know? You you can listen to Jordana's podcast Under the Sea, uh, <laughs> which, which is about the SpongeBob SquarePants series. Um, All right, Jordana's podcast. No, this is Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Okay, so so the next shot, we return to the jail, and Andy is comforting Otis, who is scared of the thunder, in a very endearing moment for Otis that also makes me go, wait, did they just leave Otis there alone the entire time? What? How long has he been there? So Andy's Andy's trying to calm Otis down, and his explanation is, the thunder has nothing to do with you. That's just clouds bumping together. And, all right, so even when I'm at my drunkest, I'm still an adult. <laughs> I know how thunder works. I don't lose several years of my like development. Like what the? Yeah, it made me wonder they... if maybe Otis is not only an alcoholic, but maybe someone with like mental disabilities that they just like let drink himself instead of getting him the proper help. Whew. Uh, yeah, Otis. It's entirely that's possible. actually an incredibly real possibility. Mm. I mean, mental health, they either, like, at that time, they either, like, shipped you off to a place, or they just said you were queer. So, like... Tell me about the rabbit, Barney. And, oh, <laughs> and also, another I, another thing about Mayberry that I think about all the time is, like, so, you know, those small southern towns, like, everyone was addicted to medications because they didn't have, like, the FDA and wasn't as invested down there. So they were taking all these weird, like, morphine and stuff because they were told that it would make them feel better. And I just, poor Otis. They, they make disenfranchised people, like, life so much harder at this time in our history that Andy Griffith's show is modeling. <laughs> so before you put, give, give Otis too much sympathy, okay. he does beat his right. wife. Right. Yeah. So, I remember uh, that. They... Yeah, yeah, gotta factor that in there. Um, yeah, no, I feel like that should be a disclaimer. Just like, I know Otis is super charming this episode. Just remember, he beats his wife. Just, just Sorry. an asterisk, a footnote on everything we ever say about Otis Campbell, who is, like, despite, like, I, I almost want to say Otis is my favorite character, but he can't be because of that. Um, yeah. So, Ruins the best character. So, so uh, Andy gets a very sudden phone call, uh, and... It's he, it's Sam, and he sounds like something's very urgent. And Andy says, "All right, I'll be right there." He tells Otis, "Hey, uh, if Barney comes back, tell him I went to the Becker place." Leave a fucking note, Andy. Don't trust this yeah, intel to a drunken child. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, why are they using Otis as like their administrative assistant? He's so drunk he doesn't understand how. <laughs> Weather works. <laughs> they, oh my god, you're right. What the fuck is he doing? Uh, so, so the, the the next two scenes kind of just they introduce new information, but they kind of reiterate what's going on. Uh, we are at Sam's house, uh, and Andy has learned that uh, Sam's wife, Lily, never pictured, uh, not but, pictured, just not there. Yeah, not <laughs> anyway. Yeah, Re- remember that Never name existing. or don't. Yeah, you just, she she doesn't exist. We don't actually see this woman uh, is having a baby right now. 
And she's been, uh, he's been like too tired or too exhausted to think about this, anything else but the baby for the past couple of months. All right, so cut back to the jail where Barney is yelling at Floyd over the phone. Uh, and he is telling him to get a bunch of guys together and meet up with him and go to Sam's house. Uh, and uh, Floyd responds, he's in his pajamas at home, terrified. And he says, I've never been in a posse before, Barney. What do I wear? Do Should I bring anything? Barney is rounding up a posse to go to a dude's fucking house with, with weaponry. And he punctuates it by saying, that's a civic order. Floyd responds by saying, I don't have a gun. I can get a really heavy stick that my wife uses to prop a door open. And Barney says, are you trying to stall? Are you trying to get out of this? This is your uh, your civic duty to help me go to a guy's house with a bunch of guns and a bunch of dudes for vague <laughs> reasons. So this is some backwoods totalitarianism, totalitarianism bingo that Barney is currently checking off boxes for. Uh... The, the monstrously illegal that a police officer is enlisting citizens for a violent raid on private property. Also, especially when it's demonstrated that they can call the state police at any time. They've done it on several occasions, but Barney specifically wants to get a bunch of scared, frightened, armed dudes from town because he wants to fucking murder I mean, the him. police, the state police would be like... Go back to your meth-ridden town, Barney Fife. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that's why he doesn't call them because they'd be like, "All right, well, you're a moron. Who? <laughs> why are you calling us?" So instead, he gets a frightened barber to get a bunch of dudes together. Barney does get a phone call from Andy, uh, but Andy's call gets cut off because Sam thinks his wife is going to labor right that moment. And says, something's happening, something's happening. And he hangs up the phone on Andy's end. So Barney begins to panic. His instinct is, oh no, they they nailed Andy while he was trying to call me. So he starts to load his gun. And he runs out and he puts Otis in charge. He's like, Otis, you know what to do. You've been here enough. And then he runs off. Um, Otis may have then hung himself in the jail cell. We don't know. We don't see him for the episode. Uh, Yeah. Oh, he, he, He left the guy who's currently afraid of thunder alone in a jail. Uh, with many guns. Yeah, yeah, and so it's probably fine. So, all right, so this is where we get to what the episode is actually about. Um, so Andy and Sam walk out of a room, like the kitchen or something, the other room, into the living room of Sam's house, and Barney or Andy says, "You're gonna have a lot of false alarms. Now you just relax." Uh, and he tries to get Sam to sit down, and Sam doesn't want to sit down, so they kind of push on each other a little bit. Barney is watching from the window. He doesn't hear them, so he sees them, like, starting to fight from what he can see. Well, uh, it doesn't look like a fight. It looks like some light shoulder touching, and they cut to Don Knotts' expression of pure <laughs> horror. Uh, it looks in no way like a fight. So, uh, Barney loads his gun. He prepares to open fire. He's, like, about to storm the door when Sam opens the door. Uh, by the way, how many fucking Sams are in this town? <laughs> Just realized that. Uh, and <laughs> There's a lot of them. Barney uh, just well, no, no, no. Charges, in, charges in and runs straight into a wall with a loaded <laughs> gun. Uh, we, in a house with a pregnant woman. So yeah. he, he tries to break down a door in the worst way to break down a door while holding a loaded gun. Uh, and, like, 
he already has like a long, long track record of accidentally firing his gun at the slightest provocation. Uh, and there's a woman giving birth in the other room. Well, so, maybe. <laughs> We're told yeah. that. We don't see or hear her. <laughs> oh my god, it hurts. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. It's it's so, the worst representation of of child delivery in anything I've ever seen. So then we fade out, presumably for commercial, and fade back in, and that's where Sam is now talking to Barty and talking and talking, and he explains that like he's been too worried to think about anything. He can't leave uh, Lily alone for too long, so he just kind of runs to town and grabs the groceries and come back in. And, oh, I'm just been so worried. And he talks and talks. And Barney says a line like, "Well, he don't talk much in town, but he certainly talks a lot at home." Uh, so now Barney has mellowed out. I mean, unless there's complications from her pregnancy, like, women do stuff until, right until it happens. Like, women have jobs sometimes, and if there's complications from the pregnancy, maybe you guys should, like, talk to some lady in the town or something, because old ladies love to help pregnant people. <laughs> And like, yeah. what are you doing? We've got an entire army of nursemaids, basically. Aunt B will get on the <laughs> horn and you will have just anything you it's need. So That's bizarre. what she lives for. She'll, <gasps> she'll just the call all of her friends at the Spencerarium and just think. Like, why does he keep his wife in a freaking box? She's like in that like fucking menstruation hut that old timey societies would I mean, keep women in. Like she's beautiful. in quarantine. I love that concept. I'm sorry. Like a place where women go to be together when they're menstruating. Good God, that is really you're pro menstruation. Yeah, man. It's a Jew thing. What? That's like a thing that they used to do, and it's like, but it and it it's not because they're like being demonized for it it's like that's when they get to like be all in touch with their like sacred feminine i thought it was like quarantining them so that's the thing with organized religion often like male patriarchal leads make it about that but that's not what the intent was originally it's beautiful they but they squashed Anyway, for a long time, Dad had a female. No, component. no, we, no, 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 no. Rewind if you want. We can edit out as much as this we need to. Uh, but yeah, no, fuck. I didn't. I I thought of that as like the uh, the ultimate symbol of patriarchy that like we would like segregate menstruating women. And but I I saw sort of saw that like replicated in like them them like putting her in the pregnancy yeah. shed. Well, let's let's go ahead and get into this, right? So we've established we're not gonna see. Lily, or hear her. She's apparently having a very quiet... Those tranquilizers <laughs> that Sam bought really fucking work. Um, I love having a baby. It was real easy. I'll have another one, I think. <laughs> She's doing the fucking crossword puzzle the entire time. But, like, they, they, keep, they keep referencing, like, bandages, strips of sheet, and boiling water. They keep saying that over and over again. You know why? Because this was written by men in the 60s. And for men in the 60s, that's what they know childbirth is. I get boiling water, I stand in a room for a little while, and then there's a baby. Like, I, it, it was it, it, not, uh, no it, research went into this. Nobody. It honestly feels like, um, like they forgot. 
forgot that women are involved in pregnancy. Like, it feels like they were, like, the writers were, like, like smoking after, like, having finished the episode. But, like, real good one. And they and someone just was like, oh, yeah, you know. So who do you get to play the uh, the mother? The who do- oh, Damn it! Oh, my God, we forgot to put a woman in there! Like... <laughs> It's like they for- temporarily forgot that, like, the child doesn't come out of a primordial target. <laughs> it's it's really, fr- it's really frustrating because, like, you know, most sitcoms do a childbirth episode at some point in time. And, like, Barney and Andy doing their vaudeville shtick as they try to deliver a baby would be a funny episode. That's, there's a lot of opportunity for comedy there. Instead, we get boring war stories. So, my mom actually, uh explained this to me recently uh until like all throughout the 1960s you couldn't show a pregnant woman on tv like a woman you 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 couldn't have a a woman at any stage of pregnancy whatsoever because it implied that she at one point had sex and there was a connection between sex and having a child wasn't lucille ball the first woman to be pregnant on screen uh Maybe I know that the first uh the first couple to sleep in the same bed was the Dick Van Dyke show. Really? Yeah. Well the, the Dick no, Van that... Dyke show was were contemporary, so we're about the same the same time, right? Well Yeah. It's it's still early sixties. Balls on pregnancy may not know. have been the first in television history. Mary Kay and Johnny beat it to that distinction back in nineteen forty eight. And that is from A V Club. Guys. Phil Dias Nugent. Uh, there's a lot of writers, and I'm not going to name them all, but that's one of the writers of this article. Okay. But, uh, uh, but, but, so the the like it was a normal thing that you couldn't show pre-childbirth. But I think the surprising thing about this is you couldn't even show post-childbirth. Like you couldn't you couldn't show a woman having had been pregnant, like holding uh, the baby. Yeah. After, right after. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, during that entire period, it's like, she just, like, like, becomes, like, a vague concept of a mother. Like, it's super weird. Like, you sort of see the boundaries of public consciousness from this. So, let's go ahead and, I mean, I I don't want to get into many details with this bit, because it just kind of repeats itself over and over again. Uh, The important part you should know is that the doctor can't get there, not because of the storm, but because he's out of town. Uh, and Andy is going to be the one who delivers. Barney is stressing about this because, as he points out, Andy flunked biology when they were in high school. He couldn't dissect a grasshopper, which, you have frogs. Whatever. Uh, This town, if we know one thing about it, they're they're up to their tits in frogs. They they are like seven plagues of Egypt level of frogs. Like yeah, it, they, frogging is like one of the top like top three pastimes of everyone in town. Oh my god! Uh, Barney is also being such a little prick because he's like Andy. Let me explain why you can't do this at all. But also, I'm not going to help, and there's no other options. I just want to tell you that you're gonna fail. <laughs> end yeah. of end of sentence. Equating a grasshopper to a child is really upsetting. It's like, gross. A child's birth. Dissecting a grasshopper versus, like, killing a being and opening it versus bringing yeah. life into the world? Like, what is wrong with you, Barney? 
you couldn't even dissect a gra- grasshopper. How are you supposed to eviscerate this baby? <laughs> <laughs> like, and he's had sex before. Like, he's at least once. That's Ugh. true. That's true. But you got to figure Andy was probably not present for Opie's birth either. That's uh, true. Ugh, and, he was just like smoking a cigar outside. I, it is a valid possibility that no one involved in the making of this entire episode of television has any idea how childbirth works. No, and did they zero just, research. Did not ask any doctor. They <laughs> all think everyone from like director through writer through actor thinks all right, so what childbirth is, is I sit in a room and I'm kind of anxious, but then I talk about the war and then a baby comes out and everything's good. And then I smoke. Uh, like, Bo- Bob all just Sweeney like... is many things. We've listed all the many things Bob Sweeney is. He is not a gynecologist. <laughs> not a gynecologist, Bob Sweeney. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that is that is absolutely beyond the, the realm of possibility that Bob Sweeney has any idea how a vagina works. Uh, so, so in order to calm Sam down and distract him, Andy has the idea that we're going to talk about Barney's military service, which is a goddamn retcon. So it turns out Barney never actually went overseas during World War II, which kind of blows away our PTSD theory about Barney. Yeah, yeah. I'm furious about this because that's was... how I've been explaining his bullshit the entire time. May I present a new theory? Sure. Yes. Okay. So this is World War II, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, well... Bar- Barney and Andy served in World War Two. Yeah. Uh, but okay. Sam served in Korea. <clears throat> right, right, which right. Which is very weird to hear because it's weird any time the Andy Griffith show reminds you that technically it's 1961. Um, yeah. Um, okay, back into my theory. So, right, there's the, at this time, there's this thing where if you don't go like overseas, if you didn't go at all into the service, people would, like, fucking spit on you, Right. Like, mothers would be angry with you that you, you weren't over there fighting. Um, um, oh. That actually happened to my other grandfather, my Jewish grandfather. He, like, couldn't serve. And women, people just looked down at him. So for a while, he had kind of like a chip on his shoulder. Um, and Barney still served. But I'm sure he suffered from a little bit of, like, I didn't go overseas. But okay, yeah, so he was walking would've... around. Uh, where, where, where was he? He was Staten Island. Staten Island? Yeah, yeah. So he was Which he was guy? walking around Staten Island during the war the entire time, and people thought he wasn't serving, and he was working in a fucking library. I mean, even if he was wearing his uniform, people might just be like not as impressed by him because of that. There's like so much, like so much of your like dick level was was measured by your service at that time. Oh, a so solid he's like theory. Pre- a solid theory. This is like this is why he's overcompensating. Yeah, yes. Because so, he didn't serve, or he did serve, so, but he because he didn't. It, again, I keep referencing Hot Fuzz. It's the proper action and shit. The Nick, the Nick Frost bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, it's he, why he never he got has to like this action. constant hunger for uh for for confrontation because he uh because he's been like instead of being traumatized, he's deeply emasculated. Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, guys like Andy were over in uh, in Europe wait, having what he imagines to be, like, this badass pulp adventure that he wish he could have participated in. He was in Staten Island getting spit on by passerby 
because uh, because he wasn't man enough to go to war. That fucking that, that tracks. Kind of works better. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Thank you for that new theory. Um, you're welcome. Um, I will be here for the rest of the episode. If you have any more, you know, anything else. All right. Any any more uh, fan theories you want to like you want to toss off? Hey, but we've got actually, Barney's an alien. Here, here's a good opportunity. If you have fan theories about the Andy Griffith Show, email them to us, breakingmayberry at gmail.com, or send them to us on Twitter at breakmayberry. I want to hear your fan theories about the Andy Griffith Show. Tell us uh, where you think Ellie goes, or tell us why you think Andy is or Barney is the way he is. Let's hear them. Wow. Uh, right. Also. We are going to be reading fan fiction at some point. We found a treasure trailer. Yeah, that, those are bonus episodes there, too. Patreon! Oh, All right, the so. Andy Griffith versus Batman one fucking rules. I'm sorry, what now? Andy Griffith fights Batman in one of the fan fictions. Wow. They, they write Batman real weird. It's awesome. Listeners, you are in for a real treat someday soon if you donate money to their Patreon 17 war stories later, uh, Andy goes out of the he goes out of the room and he comes back holding a baby. Apparently that's how childbirth works. Yeah. Uh, just and- just pops out. Do you think that the baby got screen time because it was a boy baby? Like if it was a female baby, they just wouldn't have shown it. They would have been like, it's a healthy baby girl, but she's in the room still because we don't like women. I, to be definite fair, possibility that it would just been like, oh, look at this adorable pink swaddle that we're not going to zoom in mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he comes out and he hands it to Sam and Sam is like, oh no, I'm afraid to hold the baby. I'm going to break it. And like, and Andy like coaxes him to take the child and he's just like, all right, well, I'm just going to hold here and stand nowhere near my wife. Um, this is a moment just for me. <laughs> I, she doesn't need I, any comfort. She didn't do anything today. She's cool, I bet. She doesn't want to see the child that she just made. Um, I, You know what? We'll both enjoy this moment separately. I'll enjoy the baby in the living room, and then when I'm done with it, I'll bring it to the bedroom so that she can know that her child is okay. We'll get around to it. What is he thinking? Like, is he thinking that he's never going to hold the baby ever? Like, his wife was bedridden. And he had to take care of her. So, like, why is he like, oh, I can't hold... You're going to hold that baby because your wife is feeble. <laughs> Nut up and hold your baby, goddammit. <sighs> I, 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 yeah. Sam's holding this baby and he's just like, I, I I'm, can't believe that I get to have this and share this moment with the most important person in my life. <laughs> the sheriff of the town that I live outside of. <laughs> And his weird the, deputy. Two guys that were that, uh, that were planning on arresting me on trumped up charges slightly earlier in the episode. My best friends. So so Andy says, "All right, Barney, let's get out of here. Let's go outside. I need to have a smoke. Uh, smoking on television, you know, with a newborn in the other room. That's cool. Open windows, whatever." <laughs> Yeah, uh, like it, it, it. It's so weird that this is the first episode where we see Andy smoke. Yeah, he just lights up right outside there, uh, and that's when they notice. Oh wait, Floyd is there holding a fucking brick, and he's got several armed men behind him, including the mayor. The mayor is there. He is armed. He is ready to kill people. My pudgy little gangster. He is. 
fucking adorable, and he is wielding a double barrel shotgun, <laughs> which is definitely loaded with marshmallows. <laughs> Barney calls off his posse, uh, and Andy says, "Did y'all know that Sam's a new papa? Eight pounds, whatever." And this is where like Sam comes out and he says, "Hey, I need some help. I can't get Andy to stop crying." He revealed to us that he named the child after Andy. And I broke my television. Like, was it Andrew or just Andy? Did you name your child Andy? <laughs> what? Yeah, he did not think out this birth certificate. He was like, well, there's a lot of Sams in the town, so I guess I'll just add a few Andys. Which, like, you know he just yelled into the bedroom like, hey, child hole, the child's name is Andy. <laughs> like, and then just walked up, be like, <laughs> he didn't ask his wife for help, like, quieting the child. He was like, hey, do you know, never mind, I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the only person in this town I can rely on. Yeah. <laughs> and Christ. so the stinger of this is, uh... Impromptu bluegrass festival, I guess, in celebration of baby Andy's existence. Also, you know, oh, you Aunt B and Opie like roll back in, and uh, and the uh, Aunt B finally. I think this is actually the first time that Lily gets named is by Aunt B. Of course it is. Of course, Aunt B is the only one who considers the woman. Yeah, exactly. Like, Oh, Lily did a great job having this child. And Opie is, like, demanding to be allowed to hold the kid, which, no, no, you you, ha- you had the right idea not allowing him to no! do that. He's a tiny caveman. So I saw your note on that, and I was like, how could they let him not let him? Like, that's how you learn how to not be a toxic man, is, like, you know, taking on roles that are not expected of you. No, that's I, that ship is sailed with Opie. He's he's a lost cause. I don't I don't know if it's so much like not giving Opie the baby because that's not what men do, and Opie's a man, or as much as it is not giving Opie the baby because he has no spatial awareness or like Ugh. regard for human life. I don't know. So. He's illiterate and has been taught that women shouldn't be allowed to vote. Uh, I think. The ship has sailed on Opie in a lot of regards. That baby's better off. Yeah. Um, uh, I will say, Dan, you you are slightly incorrect. To Sam's, like, minor, the bar is so low credit, he does ask, is Lily okay, after Andy walks out with the baby. So oh, okay, all right, cool. That. And Andy's like, she's fine, and that's it. We don't, that's, uh, that's all. Uh, um... <laughs> She's not even not invited to the party. Like they, they're like, "Oh, well, Lily, yeah. go to sleep," and then like there's like a fucking like music fest, and she doesn't. Which you know what? Recently, delivering mothers fucking love is bluegrass festivals just outside their window. Yeah, that is really like the best thing for recovering from delivery is just like you know. Some some music, some loud, inescapable music. And that's it. That's this episode. Yeah. That's Quiet Sam. The end. Ratings, <laughs> folks. Um, yeah. Oh, all right, God. so let's, let's do the Andy meters first. How good is this episode? Like, how much do we actually like this? Oh. <laughs> um. How low can I go? It's... <laughs> we've uh you you know what we've we've gone as low as zero but if you want to go lower uh 
that that, that that's your uh, your liberty as a guest. I'm just, yeah, I guess I have a little freedom as a guest, and it's not you know it's it's like the points are made up. You know, they don't matter. Yeah. I mean, you guys yeah. matter, but. <laughs> Debatable. You're all, we're all universes and we matter, but, um, <laughs> LA. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, this, I can do whatever the hell I want. And also, I'm so angry yeah. that I wasted like an hour of my life watching this show twice. Mm. I watched it. Twice. Welcome to our. So I'm angry and I will vote however I damn please. Anyway, okay. <clears throat> So can I, I guess I'm just going to go, I'm going to do negative uh, three, negative three. Andy. Negative three. <laughs> that is such, like, <laughs> for how elaborate that preamble was, I thought it was going to be so much lower. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was actually really anticlimactic. I <laughs> know. <laughs> um, the wind up on that was very Negative long. infinity. <laughs> No, no, no. Nope, I've, I've already written it down in the book. <laughs> all, all right, now, now, uh, your Fife score. So, how morally reprehensible you found it? Oh, I mean, so now I'm, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go five hundred, five hundred fives. All right. Uh, see, this is this is really funny to me because, like, having Jordana on here as a guest. So I'll get, I'll give my scores. Um. My as far as enjoying this, like how good this was, I'm just gonna say it was it was a three. It's actually a really boring episode. Uh, like it's it, it most of the time, even when there's like gross stuff, like most of the time, I'm like, all right, this bit made me laugh. Like even in last week's episode, it was the most sexist thing I'd ever seen on TV. But there were bits that I thought were like good and worth watching. Um, but this one's just like it's not that interesting. Three. It's last week's well, one was the makeup like, one, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that is yeah. messed up. Okay. The, yeah. That That's one was messed up, but it had Robert Golden Armstrong acting his goddamn face off. Uh, uh, this one had nothing even close got, to this it. This one's got nothing on that. Uh, and that's why, like, even, uh, even like, the by FIFO-meter, how gross is this episode? Uh, I'm going to go with an 8. Like, it's not the grossest thing I've seen on this show. But it is still pretty, like, annoying and frustrating and angering. So. It's it's not the the episode being really gross. It's the episode adhering to really gross norms, like the fact that you can't get anywhere near actual pregnancy on TV. Like so, it's almost like it's it's not totally the episode's fault. It's just oh 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 holy shit, the '60s were fucked up, which we've kind of put together from doing this. Um. But yeah, all right. So, uh, Andy score. I think I'd agree with yours. Like, I, I think I'd give it a f- a three. It, in terms of quality, it's pretty shittily written, and I'd say a I'd say a seven just because I'm I'm partially numbed to sexism on this show, and I feel like it was sort of a product of its shitty shitty time. Yeah, that's all fair. Um, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Uh, all right. So- so, uh, after we're going to go to a break, and after we come back from the break, you'll hear Dan and I talking about the stuff that we cut out of last week's episode. So that's going to be us talking about the episode Andy Forecloses. Uh, but for right now, just a quick reminder, of course, like I just plugged, you can get a hold of us 
uh, breakingmayberry at gmail.com, uh, twitter.com slash breakmayberry, facebook.com slash breakingmayberry. Jordana, thank you for coming onto the show with us. It's been great. Where can people find you and your writing and your stuff on the internet? Uh, thank you for uh, having me. I uh, just wanted to get that out there. You guys are uh, really great. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Uh, again, you're on Patreon. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, I'm not kidding, but I, I shouldn't like do that here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, for, but me, um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at lipsits in giggles. Um, that's the word name lipsits, L-I-P-S-I-T-Z. It is not lipshits in the letter in and then giggles. The joke is like, Shits and giggles. Um, but again, lip sits, not lip shits. But it doesn't really matter. Um, anyway, so that's there. And um, Leave every second of that description in in the edit, Marty. Every so single sorry. second. Yeah. Oh, and also, um, I am a freelance writer, so uh, hire me. <laughs> um, you can check out my work on my contently. Um, if you Google me, Jordana Lipsits, there's a lot of stuff that pops up. Just check it out. Um, that's creepy. Uh, we'll we'll link to all Let's that stuff in the in the show <laughs> <Yeah>. notes too. <laughs> cool. Yeah, we're gonna take a break, and when it comes back, it's Dan and I talking about Andy forecloses. Thanks for sticking with us. I'm Clint, and I'm Jared, and we're the hosts of the podcast Alka Hollywood, your source for inebriation, which you're not listening to right now because this is just a promo for a weekly podcast on all kinds of movies, new, old, good, bad, yeah, especially bad. Plus, we invent a cocktail and a drinking game inspired by each film. And sometimes we make jokes. Not this time, but sometimes. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher and check out the whole shebang at alcohollywood.com. Hey everyone, it's me, Marty Schneider from Breaking Mayberry. I know you're already listening to me on this podcast, but I wanted to tell you about my brand new podcast, Why Won't You Hire Me? Why Won't You Hire Me is a podcast about job hunting and career building and the frustrations and successes therein. Every episode, we hear stories from the job hunting front as told by people who are currently doing it right now. Hosted by me, your underemployed employment expert. So if you're tired of uploading a resume and then being asked to type in the same information that's on that resume on the very next page, Why Won't You Hire Me is the podcast for you. That's Why Won't You Hire Me, available now on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Greetings, holiday shoppers. I'm Joseph Wade, and I host a podcast called Christmas Creeps. My band of merry mischief makers and I dissect holiday movies and specials all year round in search of the true meaning of Christmas. So whether you can't resist the urge to watch Home Alone in June, or you worship at the altar of mutant killer snowmen, Christmas Creeps is the podcast for the Grinch in all of us. Check us out at christmascreeps.com or wherever you download podcasts. All right, so let's let's go ahead and, and move on. Oh, oh my god, let's just go ahead and move on to uh, the next episode. Andy forecloses, uh, April twenty fourth, nineteen sixty one. Let's go ahead and I will do the one sentence summary from Wikipedia. Andy tries to help a financially strapped family keep their home in spite of having to give them a foreclosure notice initiated by the heartless old mortgage holder Ben Weaver. Now, if you don't recognize the name Ben Weaver, go back and listen to our Christmas episode, 
in which we were introduced to Ben and he is literally Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, we didn't I we you wouldn't think they'd bring him back because he learns his lesson at the end of it and then it's sort of retconned that no he did not, he's just as evil, if not more. Yeah. Cuz he, he's graduated from uh having a family arrested to having a family evicted. I mean, I guess it's a little bit of a backslide. I don't know. Our our episode opens up with Barney and Andy in the jailhouse. And Barney is looking for a new notepad or something, a new citation book, because all of his is filled up. And when Andy is confused by this and wants to look at all the citations, he reaches for it and Barney immediately takes it and hides it under his hat. Because Andy obviously realizes, well... Do you have something in there that you don't want me to see? What's going on here? So it it kicks off this weird back and forth that they have where Andy kind of continues to bully Barney, just asking him what's under his hat and then trying to take what's under his hat. And Barney saying, don't touch my hat. I'm like my mother. I don't like to have uh, have my hat touched. And Andy starts making fun of uh, of Barney and his mother. Uh, Barney does the bench- I'm like my family member thing a lot, which is interesting. It's like a recurring yeah, thing it's right a, now. it's I I feel like it's it's sort of a southern mannerism of you, you like you 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 describe your the way you are as your family as a way to like cement its legitimacy. Sure, sure. Like this thing I do isn't weird. My entire family does it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So yeah. Andy gets the notepad eventually, and he finds a phone number on it. Uh, belonging to one Miss Juanita Beasley. Now, we're going to hear the name Juanita Beasley a lot, but we're never going to see her. So she's kind of the pinky Tuscadero role here. Uh, so she's Barney's, like, sometimes side piece. Now, uh, she is the woman that Barney Fife is cheating on his girlfriend with. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, full on. But, like, and the reason that Barney Fife is so embarrassed about her is because she is a waitress who just started at a local diner that Barney is basically sniffing around and got the phone number of and is thinking of cheating on his girlfriend with. And and this does not stop. She basically proceeds to be Barney Fife's mistress? Side piece. She's a side John. I told you. But it's straight up infidelity. Like Barney Fife is cheating on his uh, his girlfriend, his long suffering girlfriend, for the remainder of the show. Like, welcome Juanita. <laughs> There's a little bit here. It is kind of funny where uh, Barney's excuse for having this phone number is that sometimes he calls over there just in case there's trouble because it's it's like a truck stop waitress, and he's like, well, I gotta call over there because there's all sorts of shady characters. Uh, he Andy makes Barney do the trouble check right then and there. Just to check in and call for, uh, it's it's kind of funny. It's it's a good introduction. Let's move it, into the story though. Ben Weaver shows up, and he basically says, "Hey, I'm gonna force you to do your damn job for once. I need you to to serve an eviction notice." And, which uh, Ben Weaver's basic role is he's the only person in in town powerful enough to make Andy do anything. Right, because it's it's implied that he has powerful friends he's also the richest man in town pure capitalism at this point he has connections and andy is afraid of those connections ben insists that he's a mortgage owner and 
the family that he rents to, uh, the Scoby family, are behind in their mortgage payments. Turns out they're actually only one month behind. And Andy appeals. He's like, well, you got to give the Scobies a little bit more time, have some compassion. Ben is insistent upon it. Ben says, no, serving eviction notices is part of your job. You have to do this. It's the it's the letter of the law. And it's kind of like this is sort of a almost like the, the most left leaning the Andy Griffith show has been so far. Because Andy is immediately uncomfortable with his role as an instrument of the ruling class enforcing bullshit tenant laws. Yeah. Because he, he knows that this is a raw deal. He doesn't want to be sort of the weapon that old Ben is using against these this poor family. It's, it's the most class warfare that the Andy Griffith show has gotten so far. He's not serving it yet. He's got some time. But he does go over to the Scobie's house. To see what's going on. By the way, I want to point out, the Scobies are the same actors that played the Muggins family. Are you shitting me? They're the same actors. They lost a son because they had a son in that episode. But yeah, it's the same same people. That's Sam Muggins now, who's just now become Josh Scobie. So apparently... They literally (laughs) lost a son. There was a horrible sledding accident. They lost the son and were so grieved that they were like... They changed their name. How can we call ourselves the Muggins? We must, we must change our name to an, a different adorable last name. We shall forever be the Scobies. And yeah, so apparently Ben just harasses these people no matter what. He just follows them around like, you may have changed your name, Muggins is, but you'll always be a Muggins to me. Rah! So yeah, it's the you know, same actors that just get harassed by this old man. I I literally have written in my notes, uh, Lester Scobie is a fucking Muppet with a weird haircut. <laughs> He's, it's, I didn't realize he was the same motherfucker. It's the same why they, dude. Why do they keep getting this one guy to be harassed by, by Ben and also giving him the most adorable names? All of, all of his names sound like Toon Disney characters. Like, <laughs> so we come in and we're like, here's this adorable little family. They make some references to the little girl losing her teeth. They they also make references through the little girl's teeth to the fact that uh, at this time, Ron Howard was dropping teeth like flies. Right. Ron Howard, Ron Howard has like two molars going and that's pretty much it. Right. Uh, and... Andy makes these jokes about soaking food. Like, the first time he said it, he's like, well, you lose any more teeth, your mom's going to have to soak your cornbread and buttermilk. Which, that sounds delicious. Um, yeah. But the he little girl keeps says, doing uh, it. He keeps making that joke. He makes the same joke with some cookies, like, five minutes later. And the little girl says, like, oh, yeah, all the other kids are making fun of me and your son for how few teeth we have. And he's like, ha ha, don't, I wasn't listening to the part about someone bullying my child. Let's keep going. Yeah, so we learned that uh, they, the Scobies are actually only one month behind on their payment. The father, Scobie, he just has had trouble finding work. He's tried down at the mill. He's just not putting it together. So they owe... Fifty-two fifty, which I went ahead and checked. It's four hundred forty-two dollars in two thousand eighteen money. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah, it's a good chunk of change, right? You know, which fuck Scobie. I didn't realize how deep in the hole he was. Yeah, yeah. Well, four hundred four hundred fifty dollars, 
for a month's rent on like a three bedroom house in North Carolina. It's about right, reasonable, sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I thought he was like, I thought he was missing the mark by a much slimmer margin. No. That's, I mean, that's like, uh, for for someone on the working class, that's about like a week's wages. He pay, you know, like, he, or, he pays, uh, he's paying an average amount of rent. So, but that's, that's what they're behind. And they just kind of, the purpose of this scene is basically to establish that this is a hardworking family that's down on their luck. Look at them. They're very cute. They're trying their best. Uh, they even mention that he's picked up some odd jobs and his wife is getting paid to do some ironing. Uh, so that's what it is. Like they're, they're, they're trying hard. They're trying to work. They're trying to do stuff. And they run through and Andy goes, have you tried work at the mill? And he says, yeah, there's no work at the mill. Have you tried work at the furniture factory? He says, like, I tried work at the furniture factory. I tried work at the concrete plant. There's nothing. A lot of uh, industry going... going on in Mayberry, which is weird. Um, yeah, the, I, I. It's weird that he hasn't tried moonshining yet. Uh, he did. We saw the Christmas episode. Um, oh yeah, he's got him coming and going. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. He already tried that. Uh, ben stopped him there too. Uh, fucking capitalists. Andy returns uh, to the jail jailhouse. Barney and Andy together come up with the 5250. The best fucking thing that Andy has done in this entire show is just out of pocket pay the equivalent of $400 to keep a guy in his house. Yeah. Like, it's the best thing he's done in the entire show. Yeah. So Barney and Andy come to up with it and then Ben comes by to check why that hasn't been served yet. And Andy says, well, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to serve it. Because here's your money, here's the rent, There, that'll buy him some time, but that doesn't work. Ben's argument yeah. is that, according to the contract, since they fell one month behind on their payment, actually, now that I think about it, falling one month behind probably means that they owe, like, $25 from last month and $25 from this month, right? That's probably what the $52 is to get them caught up. Yeah. Now that I think about it. So, so anyway. According to the term of the contract... If fail if they miss a month, they have to pay the entire balance of the house. Is that is that right? Yep. Yeah. Which is the entire balance of the house was seven hundred and eighty dollars. Uh, again, I calculated that one. It's sixty five hundred dollars. This entire contract is fucking predatory. Like, it's a hundred percent predatory, and it doesn't get better. So they fall behind. That means they have to pay up everything or be evicted. Uh, which is $6,500. Andy gets at the heart of the matter, which he says basically like, hey, you wouldn't want that land for that new warehouse you're thinking about building, right? Because remember, uh, Ben runs the general store, and that's why he's always like wealthy and a hard ass. Um, yeah. Why so, he has all this, this power to throw around. So after that, uh, as soon as Ben walks out, uh, Barney immediately says, like, I know the way to deal with this, pulls out his gun, and I'm initially, I was initially like, oh, hell yeah, Barney, like, like, fucking, like, eat the rich, fuck yeah. Uh, and then, and he's like, Barney, how could you? And Barney, like, puts down his gun and starts removing wads of dollar bills from his, uh, his holster, and then after that, his shirt, and then his shoes, and then his hat, which I don't understand why Barney has so many, like, places to hide money on himself you know what he but... does it, it's a jj bittenbinder bit right <laughs> barney's worried <laughs> if he ever gets my you want it go get it Take go a... get it here's my hat <laughs> get a money clip 
Put a hundred dollars in the money clip. <laughs> Bernie definitely has contingency plans around muggers that don't involve any form of self-defense. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so, but, so then they decide, all right, we're just going to have to raise a bunch more money. Uh, I really like this bit where Aunt B comes in and they start planning to have a giant rummage sale. Uh, they got to get all this stuff together and they're going to sell stuff to like raise enough money. And Aunt B's 100% on board. She's like, yes, let's go ahead and do this. And Andy's like, yeah, we're going to put it all to a worthy cause. And he leaves. And then Aunt B says, what worthy cause? Because he never told her what the <laughs> what was going on. It's, pretty, it's, it's a good a, scene. Like, and Francis Bavier is really funny in it. It's sort of an anticlimactic, uh, like, take that, rich people, to be like, yeah, no, we're going to really stick it to you by giving you $780. Like, it's... It, they're not like beating him. They're just like, like we'll show you by raising a huge amount of money that you didn't earn to give to you. Suck it, old man. Like it's it's the weird. It's the most anticlimactic way of of doing the conflict. So this is a this is one of my favorite scenes in this entire bit. Uh, Andy goes back to the Scobies' house and he explains the situation. Like, what's going on? He's going to have to give them an eviction notice in about 40. He's stalling, basically, for time. The father, Scobie, Jeff, Jeff Scobie, Josh Scobie, something like that. Mr. Scobie, like, does a Velma Dinkley and is kind of wandering around going, where are my glasses? I can't see a thing without my glasses. (laughs) To which Andy responds by taking the glasses away and putting them in his pocket because Andy's initiating a con. Andy (laughs) does a con! Andy reckons that in order for an eviction to be served, there has to be a clear line of communication. Now, there's no line of communication if Mr. Scobie can't read the contract, can't read the eviction notice, and Mrs. Scobie is not around, is too busy with all the ironing and all the work that she's doing, and the littlest Scobie can't read. Sorry, sorry, the ironing and housewifing. Yeah, ironing Uh, and housewifing, and the littlest Scobie can't read, so clearly there's no... As long as there's no glasses, then there's no line of communication. At this point, I'm screaming at the television, Oh, now you know the law, Andy. Now you know. See, When it's convenient for you, you know every single technicality. The scene before this, he was like, I'm going to go read a law book for the first time ever. Yeah. Uh, But also, this seems like a flimsy fucking legal loophole. Yeah, no, I, I am not a lawyer, but I do not think you can get away with this. Uh, you definitely can't uphold the you can't arrest me, I'm deaf uh, defense. Like, there's no, any lawyer with, like, two cents would be like, well, I'm going to tear through this with a buzzsaw. Before the rummage sale, there is a shot in the jail of, of Opie doing his donation, which is Opie robbed the neighborhood, uh, where he's donating, like, just shit from around the neighborhood, like a pair of broken sunglasses. Rob, just robbed some... is a hard, harsh term to use because it's all garbage anyway. It's more that he dumpster dies. Andy, Opie is basically a raccoon right now. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in with this bag of shit, which is like, <laughs> he's got this, all this like magical bag of wonders. It's like a, a broken pair of sunglasses that's only got one lens. Uh, like a, uh, a roller skate that doesn't have wheels or a buckle, so it's really just a flap of leather. Uh, and my, and my favorite is uh, Andy pulls out what I guess is supposed to be a toy gun, but it's like 
the barrel of the gun is bent all the way backwards as if Bugs Bunny put his fingers in the barrel and Elmer Fudd shot it and then it just bent right back around. Like I love this garbage trash child so much. <laughs> like he's just he's basically an adorable little meth head that Andy allows in his house. <laughs> and it's the best. Like OB Bad a- teeth OB- a penchant for just scrapping. Uh, zero money, but a, a clear addiction. Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> OP just like, oh, like, it was one was one scene away from just rolling and be like, so I don't have anything to bring, but I ripped a bunch of copper wire out of the walls of someone's house. Do you think we could use this paw? I found a found an air conditioning unit uh, down by the river. <laughs> we can uh, do some good stuff in here. Yeah. Uh... Someone left a radio in their car, paw. Do you think we could use this? Ugh. <sighs> So then we go, now we go to the rummage sale. Uh, we get a cool overhead shot that shows the entire jail, and they've just filled it like a flea market. One funny bit I laughed at is uh, Andy comes up to a gentleman who is, like, playing with, like, it looks like a pair of, vi- like, a vice grip or something. Uh, yeah, something like that. Oh, evening. Oh, evening, Andy. It sure is my fine thing you're doing for the scope. Well, we are trying. Uh, how much is this? Oh, about three dollars. What suppose it is? If I knew that, it'd cost you five. <laughs> Sound like a bargain. Yeah. Yeah, one, one of these is nice to have. I always wanted one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good gag. It's uh, a nice little bit. Uh, and, and, and Barney and has his own thing of um of of selling a coat. Of being like, you know, uh, this isn't just a domestic coat. It's uh, it's from out of town. It's from Raleigh. But like, and you should check out the interior. And the interior is like ripped to hell. And he quickly closes. He's like, the outside of the coat is the only part that really matters. Aunt B is trying to sell a toaster to the woman who donated that toaster. So I, I, I nice like this bit. I wish bits. I wish this bit had gone on a little bit longer. Matter of fact, just do a bottle episode where it's just the the Griffith crew trying to sell shit. I would watch the hell out of that. that <laughs> I would absolutely rule. watch that. Ben walks in and basically tells Andy, I know what you're up to. I went and gave them the eviction letter myself and I read it to them. So I opened up a line of communication, you idiot. This was the worst plan you've ever had. What the fuck are you doing? But also, why did Ben, if Ben could just read him the eviction notice himself, why did he need Andy? Intimidation, I guess. Yeah. And that's what he says again. He's like, tomorrow I'm, I'm evicting them at noon. You had better be there. Andy gets like, what is probably the best uh, line in the episode? As Ben leaves, Andy says... You know, when that man's time to go, he ain't gonna go like everybody else. He's just gonna nasty away. Which doesn't really make any sense. It makes no sense, sense, but I liked it. I I like the the phrasing. Andy goes with Ben to serve the eviction. Andy has has this Hail Mary of basically doing the eviction so brutally that it will guilt Ben into... Uh, into showing mercy, where he he rolls into the house and he bangs on the door and he refuses to let the Scobies take any of their stuff. He uh, he he denies them that they're going to be able to take their plates or their family heirlooms, uh, or, or 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 any of their earthly possessions. And Ben 
uh, who is like, no, 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 they can take their 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 antiques that they got from their 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 dead parents. Uh, Andy says, no, if I'm doing this eviction, I get to say how it is, and it is full stop. They are going to uh, go out with none of their earthly possessions, and he explicitly says, don't worry. The daughter is going to become a ward of the state, and I'm sure that, uh, that, oh shit, we probably should have learned Scooby Dad's name. Um, I'm sure the dad is going to be able to put a house together from some loose boards. Yeah, yeah. And Ben says, is that really going to happen? And Andy says, yes. It's very weird that, like, Ben had never considered the consequence of an eviction prior to this moment. Andy's entire argument is just like, hey, did you know that evictions are bad? And Ben's like, oh, I had no idea. Okay. It's it's a really wholesome idea uh, in this that you can basically shame rich people. Because eventually uh, Ben says, well, no, we will not do a, a an eviction. I, this is immoral and horrible. Uh, uh, so Andy also of- points out, let's, let's be clear here. Andy also points out that... I'm going to make sure you get that warehouse, Ben. Of course, you know, there's plenty of places that are closer to your store, but that's not the point, right? Yeah. Uh, again, very no. weird that Ben never considered building a warehouse closer to his store. Also very strange. But yeah, okay, so yeah. that's, that's they, they appeal to Ben's better nature, which, all right, to be fair, there is precedent for that. Right? No, I mean, all right, so there, there's precedent the for thing... Ben having a better nature. That's what the whole Christmas episode is about. Yeah, but but the whole thing is like this is a very wholesome, nice like sentiment that you can like you can guilt rich people into into not doing class warfare. In a million years, this plan would never work in the real world. Oh, absolutely like, can not. You Im- absolutely not. Can you imagine if a cop's uh if a cop's plan to prevent an eviction was to make it as brutal as possible so that the landlord would feel guilty? No landlord would ever like uh, ever fall for that they'd just be like yep yep you know uh it it, it sucks uh that child may be crying on the sidewalk but i needed the room like it's like it it, it, it's sort of like this weird pinnacle of like the idea that you can like change rich people's behavior just be like have you do you have no shame have you no shame sir have you no decency have you no honor sir like if Andy Griffith were alive today, he would be, like, a hashtag resistance <laughs> member. Just tweeting at Trump all all the time. Andy Griffith would be on Pod Save America constantly. Have you no dignity? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. What, what, what do you have to say for yourself? If we just confront them with their immoral behavior, their better nature will kick in and they'll just decide to not. DeRay would like, be shilling for Griffith 2020. Like it's oh my god. Let's be very clear here. What happens is that Andy eventually runs the CIA uh, or the <laughs> FBI, and he's like one of the like FBI Democrats that's up for election now. Uh, oh no, get- absolutely. Andy Griffith, if he was alive today, would be constantly tweeting about Robert Mueller. Let's be very. How he's let's going let's to be clear us. here. We keep saying Andy Griffith. What we mean is Andy Taylor. We mean Andy Taylor, the character, not Andy Griffith, the actor. Um, I I still refuse to say Andy Taylor just because I have a... I, it's always a weird thing that's pissed me off when uh, it's like the blank actor's name show and then the uh, 
the 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 main character's name is something like Cliff Huxtable. Like, yeah, yeah. No, the name is the Andy Griffith Show. The main character is Andy Griffith. You don't get to change the person's name. That's always been like a weird pet peeve of mine. Let's shift to the stinger now because the resolution for this is absolute horseshit, and it's the weirdest fucking thing. They're fucking fishing now. Yeah, the stinger is so- they're back in the jail, and he's going out fishing with Ben. So and he Ben has Andy. decided Andy, he- Andy and Ben are going fishing together. It's absolute horseshit. Like so, this was all just a fucking game to you. Uh. That, that now you guys are going out fishing. I don't care, like, if he decided at the last minute to not do an evil thing. He was still going to evict a family to for real estate reasons. See, that's not even the part that upsets me the most. Here's the part that upsets me the most. Uh, Andy says, all right, well, on the way, we're going to go stop and pick up Mr. Scobie. Ben says, I'd rather we didn't take him. Uh, and Andy's like, I thought everything was cleared up now. I thought you guys were okay. And Ben says, no, that's not it. Look, the thing is, I need him down at the general store. He, we're too busy, so he needs to be there. Indicating that now Mr. Scobie does have a job, he works at Ben's general store. Meaning he now works for his landlord, which is the most exploitative thing that could possibly happen. That's not a solution. Like, he's just there at, at Ben's mercy at any time for the rest of his life. Forever. And they present it as Ben, like, begrudgingly doing the right thing. Like, they're, yeah, like, yeah, this is Ben's go... charity, but no, it's indentured servitude. What the hell? Yeah, oh my god. I, like, I didn't even register that. I was like, uh, I, I read that, I was like, oh, you think it's okay just because you gave him a job? Fuck you. I didn't even realize that he was just doubling down on exploitation. He, no, his line was, uh was how else is he supposed to pay off that mortgage it's so indentured servitude also if you could have just given him a job why didn't you do it forever ago why did we even oh right because of the warehouse whatever it's just the the characterization of ben is so flimsy they just needed a bad guy but not too bad because this is mayberry it's it's the way that a lot of I, I, I want to say, like, like not centrist Democrats, but people in that general hemisphere see, like, bad rich people in that they're not bad people. They just are people who temporarily forgot to be good people. Like, like you just got to, like, j- like, shake them awake and then they're 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 totally good people again and they're fine. Uh, like every, like Ben's going to show up like 30 more times and he's going to be a huge asshole and Andy's going to figure out a way to hit him on the head with a newspaper and then they'll just go out frogging or whatever the fuck these people do. Andy meter for Andy forecloses. How good is this episode? Um, I'd say it's, it's around like a seven. It's a, it's a pretty good, well, pretty good bit. Well, we, we also forgot that the, to mention that Barney calls Juanita Beasley later and absolutely is about to have phone sex, but Andy walks in on him. Uh, and oh, that's funny. yeah, yeah, yeah. No. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah. I See, I I am actually, in real life, pretty pissed off about Juanita Beasley. I am, I am actually, in my real-life emotions, mad that Barney Fife is cheating on his girlfriend because this is my life now. Uh, <laughs> that, that actually upsets me. Um, but yeah, no, I, I feel like it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a solid episode. It, it, um, 
there the, there are some good bits in it. Like Ben's per- that Ben performance is always good. Uh, I, I'm gonna also say seven. You know, I, I have yeah. to say that I like it more than uh, the other one. Uh, and for like grossness, uh, man, the solution they come up with for my fifometer. Uh, I gotta say it's at four or five because ah uh, that 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 ending where Scoby is now just doubled down on servitude and just also this like idea that you know rich people can be shamed. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say five five five. I mean, on one hand, it has really good goals where it wants to like actually talk about class warfare and uh. And, and 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 the exploitation of rent. It, it makes a really compelling case why just modern real estate is bullshit. But the solution it comes up for it is just some milk toast. how dare you, sir, bullshit. So it, I, I think it, it evens out to a five, right? Like, it maybe a four? I, I'm going to say a four. It, it lays out a... a, a a problem in a really effective sense and presents the shittiest solution to it. So that's it for this episode of Breaking Mayberry. As always, you can get at us, uh, breakingmayberry at gmail.com, twitter.com uh, slash breakmayberry, facebook.com slash breakingmayberry. Uh, you can get a hold of me. I am on the Twitters at schneidremarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D remarks. Dan is on the Twitter at the Luds. That's with two Ds. And Ron Howard, of course, is on Twitter, at RealRonHoward. This week, uh, hashtag TweetAtRonHoward, I think, tell Ron Howard your favorite bedtime story. We're always seeing him get bedtime stories from Andy on the show. I think it'd be nice if you told him just a little bedtime story just to help him get to sleep. Hashtag TweetAtRonHoward. As always, our intro music was done by Max Ludwig, who you can find online at SleepTalky. Our logo was designed by ScribbleEmily, who you can find on Instagram, and our closing music you're about to hear is Appalachian Coal Mines by the band Mid-Air Machine. If you really like the show, you can support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. But if you don't want to do that, there are other ways you can support us too. You can share the show with your friends, or leave us a rating or review on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast, Or just tweet at us and tell us you like what we're doing. We appreciate that too. Until then, we'll see y'all down at the fishing hole. <laughs> Serviceable. I mean, whoa, that... <clears throat> Genevieve. <clears throat> Was that an old timey telephone in the background? 
perfect. Yeah, we're we're going to need that perfect. later. <laughs> tell, you, tell you what, Jordan, can you cue that up? And when I say that, that Andy gets a call, just bring that. <laughs> yeah, I can. That... That that is something that I can do for you. All right. Thank you I'll for changing your ringtone to something you. thematically appropriate. Perfect. And he gets a call. Ring. Okay. <laughs> okay. 